How many records do you hold? The Tricog we had for a long time on paper. The Durango we hold. We have the TRX record. And then we have every single record you can possibly have Hellcat related car and truck at Race Motive. Every single one of these has our twin turbo package on it. Our guest today, Steve of Ripatoon. Eat Sleep Race podcast. We're back with our guest today, Steve of Ripatoon and my co-host Hugo ESR. Steve, let's get into it. When and how did Ripatoon start? Well, Ripatoon actually started back in like 2018. Um, we were actually basically doing this stuff as a hobby at that point. Um, I had a purple Hellcat, which I still have. Um, and we, you know, we did a whole bunch of modifications to it. And we had a lot of people asking for me, basically, and, you know, my friends, like what we were doing with this car, because it was much faster than a lot of other people's with basic stuff. Um, that's kind of how it started. Like we had this one like signature car and from there people just kept asking us to help them do their cars and I, at that time I was working at Liberty Mutual Insurance um, and we were doing this kind of like part-time after work in my garage people were dropping off cars we were building them at that point um, I was working with a tuner at that point who was remote tuning them and from there it kind of spiraled out of control to the point where I couldn't do it at my house anymore and we had to make a, a judgment call to either you know, do this full time or not do it at all anymore. And, and we just kind of took a plunge and here we are. From starting in 2018 to you going full time into it, having a shop, when, how long did that take? About a year and a half. That's kind of crazy. You so like out of the hole, just that first car, you kind of dominated the market. Yeah. That's what's up. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I know like when we first met, you had a Corvette. I did. When I first met you. So what year was that? It was that. a 14C7, so you probably met me in 2015. It was yeah. a supercharger on at that point. Yeah, and I, and I remember, like, you did a burnout video and stuff. Yep, with you guys, yeah. Yep, so, like, the what? The yellow one. Yellow one, yep. Yep, and then what made you jump from, you know, a, a GM, a, a Corvette, to the Hellcats um, or Challengers? I was literally uh, just in a dealership, and I saw the purple car, purple Hellcat, Kind of fell in love with it. It was like the new hot thing, big horsepower. Um, from factory. From the factory, yeah. And I just, I said, you know what? This this looks cool. Let me get into it. I was never into the Mopar stuff. Before really that. before that. No. Wow. So like that was what got me into it was, was the Hellcat. Did you trade in the Corvette for it? No, I actually had an ATSV in between. Oh, oh that's right. Okay. You had the, you had the yeah. white one, right? White one, yeah. Yep. I remember we were talking yeah. about that car too. And that car was kind of like not mod friendly at that point so i was like you know what let me try this it was best thing I ever did was buy that car i was gonna say so the yep. best decision you ever made best with decision. cars well actually the best decision you made with your life because clearly this i mean ripatoon is your life now yeah that's kind of wild so it's it took cool. off so ripatoon like when you first started were you tuning at the time or was it more just like hey like no you know, it was like it was literally just the hobby um the the main reason we started uh was Really, like we were basically fixing things that other shops had done wrong. It was like me in my garage with Mike. You've met him before. Um, and we were just, we had people coming to us. Like I had my car at the track. You know, we were running these crazy times. I had people who were there having issues. Um, and they just, they, were like, they got my information. You know, we exchanged info. And then a week or two later, the car was at my house. I, <laughs> and I, I we think, were fixing it, you know. Yeah, I think during that time, too, when those Hellcats came out, that was like a boom in time, especially here in the East Coast, because, you know, at any given test and tune, especially that was when Raceway Park was still open, you know, you'd get tons of, you know. Oh, yeah. I, I ran my car there. You you know, I had the stick because I wanted to have a stick one. Yep. Hindsight, I should have just bought an auto because that shit wasn't drag friendly. Yep. But, you know, at any given time, you know, when, when we used to go to go there for the Wednesday test and tunes, there's probably at least a dozen, if not more. Oh, yeah. Like some type of Mopar there, and obviously at that time, mostly mostly the the Hellcats. Yeah, and, they were getting super popular at that point. Yep. I think it was actually like uh, I think it was like 2016, 2017, the Ratchet Friday. I broke the uh, the blower only record at Ratchet Friday, and I think that was the last time I ran at English Town, unfortunately. But yeah, uh, I, 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 th I was there for that night. I remember yeah. that. What yep. year was your Hellcat? 
whatever year first year it came that out. That was the first year it came yeah, out, right? 15, 15 probably, yeah. Because you got, I got mine, and then I think like right after you got yours. Yeah, the 16, yeah. Yep. So with this first car, you're saying it was a lot faster than what other cars were doing. At that time, were you just doing bolt-ons, and was it your tune that was making you faster? Uh, it was It was really just bolt-ons. Um, not a lot of guys were running E85 at that point. There was no trans tuning at all at that point. That was the big thing. Um, so once we, once they unlocked the transmissions, we were able to, to really go a bunch faster at that point. Um, but yeah, the E85, my car was light. I did like a 15-inch conversion. A lot of other guys were still running like 20s with yeah, Mickey Thompsons did. or 18s, you know, like a Bravado wheels, like... Yeah, just like the same. There setup. was limited. There was limited Super setups. Limited setup. Like not. It wasn't really that that popular at that point. Not that big. And so, I, I was taking parts off the older Mopar stuff that was already developed, putting it on the Hellcat. Had like a full 15 inch conversion on the car. Um, yeah, like upper lower pulley E85 injectors intake. Like nothing crazy. Completely stock blower, stock motor, stock trans car ran 91. It's pretty fun back then. You know, Compared to what was well, the average the average guy like on the eighty five back then was running like, you know, like a nine eighty nine seventy. That's that's a big. That's a big know? number. That's a big so, difference. You know what? This is a similar story in this. Uh, this is deja vu, right? So Prime, uh, Dimitri had a similar story that his purple, yep, uh, his purple STI is the reason why his shop ended up growing because without having that staple, I guess, um. That was a catalyst. Yeah, yeah. Th it was that one car that built right. the business. And for you, it was... The same thing, yeah. Your purple Hellcat. If it wasn't for that car, I definitely would not be on the map for sure. That's pretty cool. 100%, yeah. So how... Like, I know you still have the purple car. Yeah. But then there was a time when you started going crazy with it, making different intakes. And then at that one point, um, you, you turboed it, right? Yeah, same big single turbo. Yeah, so... Um, yeah. Did that disappoint a lot of people that... You know, you kind of like stepped out of the, the Hellcat motor, like power plant. We're, we're, that's still a thing today. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we can get into it a little more later, but like the same thing with the Trackhawks and the TRXs. You know, a lot of guys are running blowers still, like, you know, gutting the truck, all that kind of stuff. And you know, we, we made a decision about two years ago to say, you know what, we're going to kind of go against the grain. I was an import guy before all this stuff back in the day. Love turbochargers. So that was what made me turbo the Hellcat to begin with, because no one was doing it. I knew the potential of it. Were you the first? Yeah. Nice. I, I did not ever see another one. Cody fabbed the whole kit. Um, Shout out to Cody. Yeah, Cody's killer welder. Um, but yeah, so he fabbed the whole kit. Um, the big problem at that time was getting the car to actually turn on and run with the stock computer with it having a turbo 400. So I got rid of the trans. I went old school with it. Nine went with rear. what worked. Yeah. So we finally figured it out. We ended up using a uh, a crate harness kit that they had for like the uh, the six four. Um, put that whole car together like that, and from there, you know, we were running mid to low eights with it on the stock motor. Was that a kit that you ended up selling? No, that was like a one off kit at, at that point. The the, um, the amount of things that it had to be done to run that specific kit, like moving engine backwards and all sorts of motor mounts and stuff, wouldn't make it you know, reasonable for the average person to be able to bolt it on at their house and thus to be able to sell. So that's more like a race car yeah, almost at that point. At that point, Like a strictly yeah. dedicated. Yep. What's the most horsepower you've added to an SRT? Um, well, they all come with about 707, generally. Unless it's like a Demon or a Red Eye, they come with a little more. But uh, the most horsepower we made on the dyno so far is a tick over 2,000 in the track hall. Wow. Yeah. Still the stock. And that's the one that's been, uh, I've seen online. It's still like full interior, everything like that. Yeah, right? I mean, it's it, this one specifically now, it's it's not gutted at all. It's okay. just the interior seats are out and it's got a, a Sparco racing seat. Yeah, besides but yeah, that. other than that, it's, you know, full truck, trailer hitch, you know, nothing's taken apart, AC, you know, the whole thing. Customer actually drives it all the time and that's a, a stupid fast truck. We have a bunch of those now. What's so. the number, like, what number does that run? Um, That one, the customer doesn't actually want me to, Tell what should specific it run? One. <laughs> but we, we had the record uh, with the Trackhawk. Um, that specific car, you know, it's a little bit different. He doesn't want us to let it, yeah. anybody know, you know. But we had the 86, which got broken recently by another truck, fully gutted, obviously, you know, different different kind of setup. But um, it's more of a race truck than what my customers really have at that point. Okay. But um, yeah, they run like 
all of them are in the, in the mid to the high eights at this point, all the Trackhawks that we wow. built with the Twin Turbo Kit. So you think the Trackhawk is like the platform? Like, you know, the, Hawk, the, 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 the yeah, yeah, those yep. two. So yep. that was actually my next question. Hellcat or Trackhawk, what, like, what and why is the best platform? If you're someone who likes to drive your vehicle, like, all the time, and you want to have fun with it and be able to hook, you got to get a Trackhawk or a Durango. The all-wheel drive. Yeah, just it's on no the brainer. street, these things almost run the same times they do on, on, a, on a fully prepped track. Wow. Very close. You know, so we have multiple draggy hits in Mexico. These things are running, like, 8-7 on the street. So hands yeah. down, Trackhawk. I think Trackhawk and Durango... Um, the Durango is a pretty it's impressive, impressive truck. Well. Yeah, being yeah. it's a little different. But seven passengers. Our our fastest one, which is actually the world's fastest Hellcat all-wheel drive out of all of them, is actually Durango. It's not a Trackhawk, and it weighs more. Oh, oh wow! Yeah, so we won eight four on paper in that. It's pretty cool. So so speaking on records, like how many records do you hold? Um, if we're gonna talk Trackhawk. Just in general, yeah, like I mean, the Trackhawk we had for a long time, um, on paper. The Durango we hold, we have the TRX record, and then we have every single record you can possibly have Hellcat related, car and truck at Race Motive. Wow. So. So you speak, bring and up every, every single one of these has our twin turbo package on it. So bringing up like Race Motive and stuff, I know, you know when we all started out, roll racing wasn't a thing back then. No. I think, wasn't interested at all. And I think like um, last maybe eight to ten years, roll racing kind of is like a, a thing now. Yep. And, you know, a lot of these big horsepower cars aren't even on the track like that. They're, they're roll racing. Yeah. And, you know, I see, I see that obviously you're there. Um, your business definitely changed from, from that. How do you think the roll racing customer is compared to the drag racing customer? It's a completely different customer. It's generally a person who doesn't care about wanting to hide stuff, not like a grudge racer. It's a, like a, more of like a, a person who just Wants has an adrenaline rush. Really. Yeah. Like they want to go fast. It's definitely competitive though. There is, we had a science to it. Had, there, oh yeah, we had a, a big rivalry uh, this year, back and forth with another Hellcat. We ended up coming out on top, fortunately. Um, but it was back and forth all year long. You know, and I actually personally enjoy it. I think it's it's a more laid back environment when you're there. A lot of the people are really cool. It's not like you know you don't have to worry about like going there and generally breaking as much stuff. Um, just because you know drag racing specifically, the, and, and the launching, shock, the shock yeah. and everything on the and on launching the drive these line. cars are just you know these are heavy cars making a lot of power breaks a lot of stuff. So have you have you um, participated in the roll racing events? Oh yeah, like yep. yourself? Yeah. Okay. My first demon, um, we built to specifically roll race, basically. Um, built a centrifugal blower kit first for a Hellcat. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, that was I, that's where I actually started really enjoying it was racing that car there. It was a lot of fun. And being on the track at Pocono is a cool experience. It's a different, yeah, it's different. Even, than... like, even like, you know, the second time, third time you go, it's still, it's still fun. So, but I think you're going to see a lot more of it with drag strips closing, honestly. Yeah. Um, and then with, you know, Draggy being so popular. Yeah, su super popular, super accurate. I it's mean, an you international can really, thing, yeah. You can really, like, get out there and, and get a pretty good, you know, idea for a car with the Draggy or what it's actually running in the quarter mile. It's super similar. Mm -hmm. so. so I see a lot of Draggy passes on your page. Yep. Are most of your customers modifying to take them to the track or? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of them do. But a lot of them, like I said, these things are all-wheel drive, so they can go on the street and enjoy them. You know, right. We don't really have a lot of Hellcat customers that are doing anything on the street because it's just it's tough. You're not gonna you know, it's a rear-wheel drive car. It makes big power. And to build it to work on the street, it's not going to be optimal on the track. So it's, it's one of those things where unless someone's a street racer, they're not really doing it. You know, It's not really the best platform right now. All these guys, street racing, it seems like it's GTR. Um the new BMW stuff, and the Trackhawk, Durango, all those guys. That's like the big street racing stuff now. So at 100% of your customers, what would you say is the percentage of like how you how you see people using their cars? Um, my customer base has actually changed recently because we've got more competitive, so we're getting a lot more people who are coming over and wanting to switch their cars from a blower setup to twin turbo. 
Um, but I would say before it was probably 80-20. People, daily drivers, were putting packages on cars, like, you know, upper or lower pulley at that point. Um, 80% daily drivers? Yeah, and 20% race. Oh, wow. And we got a lot of flack for it forever because we never had anything fast at the track. So what is it now? It's the complete opposite. Now we have all the records. <laughs> <laughs> so would so, you say it was like the so, past? So now the, you know, now the new thing is... You know, Ripa doesn't tune. He has a tuner. You know, whatever they can come up with, it's funny. But so you you bringing that up, I always see, I always laugh too when I see your posts on Facebook and Instagram. Um, obviously, social media world is is a little wild, but it seems like you only go on Instagram when it's like, or I'm, I'm sorry, even like Facebook on, on like the posts when it's like your last resort for trying to get something done. Um, why do you think that is? Like, why do you think? Like, do you use the social media as, as a tool to get something that was wrong for you, like, corrected? Or is it more just to just put it out there, like, because I know you don't, you don't care. You, you, yeah, you, you I, call I'm, it how it is. I'm so. completely unapologetic. It's probably got me in trouble more than it, it's, it's helped. But at the same time, it's also got us to a place where everybody knows our name. And I, at the start, you know, that was – it ended up being a good thing overall, I think. Um but like I said, I'm not you know, politically correct car-wise online at all. Like it's, you know, this is how I am. Yeah. And, and because it, when know, I read the post. that goes on, it, it bothers me. Yeah. You know, and I see people getting taken advantage of. And like I said, when we first started, that's what it was. It was people getting taken advantage of. And I had these cars that were getting dropped off at my house from, you know, a professional place or so-called professional place at that point. They're all hacked and up. Many of them. Yeah. And like, you know, we're fixing this thing as like doing it part-time in my garage and that never sat right with me. And then from there, you know, I've always been like that online. So like in your parking lot of your shop right now, how many cars are just waiting to get worked on? Um, we've been at capacity for about two years. Like we got the new building and we've been, we've outgrown it since we got it. So I've seen pictures. There's like clearly a parking, like a parking lot directly next to your building. Yeah. What's capacity for you guys? 20. Just wait. Yeah. And the problem is like a lot of them are TRXs. So they're big. Mm. You know, if we were like working on like cars like this, we'd have obviously more space. But all these cars are big. You know, like Jeeps. Yeah, uh, primarily all of our business now is is Trackhawk, Durango. So all and, trucks, basically. Yeah, basically trucks. How fast yeah. could you turn them around at this point? Twin turbo kit in like two days. Wow. Yeah. So so if a customer was to hit you up right now, you know, let's say I got a Trackhawk, I, I want to get one of your packages. What's your lead time, like like uh, for me to get get into the shop? It depends on what it is. We're booking for January. Okay. Generally, at this point. That's not bad. Yeah. Um, what we do, and like it, this is work well for us and the customers. We make sure all the parts are at the shop. Yeah. Everything's so. waiting for the customer, so we'll we'll take a payment up front for all the parts. We don't take anything for any kind of labor or any kind of down payment for that stuff. But we'll make sure everything's there. So when the car is there, we can bang it out and, and get it out the door. So. I saw on the website you have kits named Stimulus Kit. Yeah. <laughs> COVID killer. Yep. Are those names here to stay or? Have, hey, they're, never, they're never going away. <laughs> <laughs> and we're, obviously, I and get. this stuff so like, like wildfire. Is like, it, did did you Brandon develop package. those oh, things yeah. because of COVID? Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it was like, the, our big boom was during COVID. Like, that was, it was huge. You know, like, and I think it was a lot of small businesses. It was the same thing. You know, it was a lot of people home. They were getting money. You know, and obviously not enough to build a car, but they were bored. You know, they were kind of like well, a lot of people didn't go on vacation yeah, and stuff so like that. So you have free money, disposable around. income. You know, and you know, it's with these cars, it's most of the customers are doing pretty well. You know, especially with the TRX market. I mean, it's a lot of contractors. Um, you know, and same thing with the track cars. These are not inexpensive cars. So right. These things are you know eighty, hundred, hundred, ten grand, even more sometimes. So we have a, a good customer base, which is nice. And we're working on newer cars, which obviously is a little bit easier than the older stuff. You know, we don't run into as much issues at that point. So as long as the car hasn't been touched elsewhere. So right now on your basic, well, not, I shouldn't even say basic, what is the highest um, horsepower kit that you make for, like, without going into the engine? Um. It really depends if the customer's okay with going twin turbo. And yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, like one of your five twin turbo, um, 85 twin turbo, you can run 
you know, with the with the TRX, which it seems like the best fuel pump wise, um, about thirteen hundred wheel. Wow. Yeah. So that's almost like nine, basically nine like second TRX, basically like double double the horsepower. Yeah. Yep. And reliability, street wise, like those are all good. Yeah, they're all great. Things they all drive like stock is incredible. That's awesome. Yeah, the, the the compound boost stuff is really a lot of fun because you get there's no turbo lag at all. Um, it could be bolted on easily. Like we we've sent out over 100 turbo kits people for TRXs, and these people are not mechanics, and they're able to install it the way we built it in the driveway. You know, we do the remote tuning with them, send them everything they need, and you know, once they get it on the car, they send us the computer, we unlock it, and send it back to them. And you know, a couple of days later, tuning, they're done. You know, and so they, have, so they have a car with double the horsepower. That could be like that could be done in over a weekend. I'm assuming. Oh yeah, yeah, yep. that's awesome. Yep. So you you mentioned it before when you first started, somebody else was doing the remote tunes. Yep. Is that still how it is today? We have a, a person who does our remote tunes now that focuses basically just on us. His name is Jared. Um, he's in Texas. The guy is absolutely incredible. I work with many tuners. And we've had to fire many of them because of many different reasons. The biggest problem I've always had with tuners is that they don't see what goes on on the actual shop life. So, like, if someone's doing a remote tune with you, let's say, and we're on the dyno, we've had tuners who will literally say, it's 5 o'clock, I'm done for today, you know, take it off the dyno. And at that point, we didn't have our own, you know, so we were using somebody else's. So, you know, it's just inconvenient. Yeah, I think... They don't understand. They kind of, I feel like a lot of the tuners kind of big ego thing too. But, um, but yeah, they don't really understand what goes on in the shop life unless they work in a shop environment, you know. And then they'll see like there's not every single time when you build a car that's making double the horsepower, you're going to have a perfect setup. You know what I mean? You're always going to have some kind of tweaks or whatever. Um, and you know, this couple of specific people were out the door four thirty, five o'clock. You know, you're waiting until the next Monday to finish a car. You're bringing it back to the dyno, strapping it, unstrapping it. And that didn't sit right with me. So we went through a bunch of tuners, um, came across Jared through a friend of a friend. And since then, it's been the best choice we've ever made. So that's pretty cool on this platform. I mean, it's 100% remote tuned for you. Yep. Yeah, remote tuning. Hundred percent. And are most of these cars still running stock ECUs? They're all. They all are. Oh yeah. wow! The only one that's not at this point is my purple it's car. Purple it's on car. Holly Dominator. Yeah. Okay. But everything else is on the stock computer. We've been able to get to the point where we can make it super happy with the turbo systems with no supercharger. That was originally a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that we're able to do that, and there's more tuning involved with, you know, there's more options. Obviously, with HP tuners, that's all we use. Um, to be able to do that, made that available. Uh, between that and the new transmission stuff, these things are basically, you can do anything you want with them. So we're, we're at the point now where the computer is not really the limitation. It's more of, you know, engine parts and stuff like that. Finding the limitations of the stock block, stock, you know, main caps, stuff like that, that would have never broken before, but power well, level is just massive. Yeah, you're, You know, yeah. the cars are heavy and the power level is big. Like in perspective, when we put one of these power plants in a car that, like, let's say it's in this track hawk and it weighs 5,300 pounds. If we put that power plant in, let's say, a 3,000-pound Mustang, it's a six-second car. That's so much power they're making, you know, 2,000 horsepower. So, oh, yeah. so it's kind of hard to fathom that, you know, you can run it on the stock computer, and these guys are daily driving these things. No check engine lights. <laughs> it's, like, incredible. Right. So, I mean, so, you, you did mention that earlier. A lot of your customers daily drive them. Yep. Which is... Pretty badass. You're yeah, putting cool. down that much power. Yep. That's a lot of gas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially on E85, it's even more. But, yep. We, I think you need to open a gas station for E85. <laughs> yeah, it'd be great. Yep. <laughs> I was going to say. If, if, you know, in Jersey, there's, it's, it's, li- it's, it's limited. limited. Yeah. So we're doing like runs to Newark Airport. I, I was going like to say. Four drums in the back of a pickup truck. I was going to say, <laughs> maybe you need to um, open up closer to Newark, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That is the Hellcat capital of uh, the world. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> So that in Philly. Yep. I mean, I don't know if it's in the best way, but yeah. To to that note, I want to say I'm this is this is in my personal opinion, what I see online about all these sideshows, majority of them are on this SRT platform, unfortunately. Yep. yep. And a lot of the, you know, unfortunately, due to the technology of these cars, a lot of the cars that get stolen are these SRT cars. Yep. What what's your take on that? So those shows, all that what everybody does. 
It's not for me. It's not it, your. Is it your not, customer? No. Those they'll no. never be your customer. Um, I mean, listen, I'll, you know, I'll do whatever, you know, as long as the the customer is a good customer, they're not doing stuff they're not supposed to be doing. But at the same time, like it's it's not our customer base now. So, so you you actually mentioned that as long as they're a good customer, do you have have you had a bad customer? Of course, I think every business has had a bad customer. And what's your worst customer memory? Um, worst customer memory. I mean, it's, it's honestly like a lot of people online. That's the, that's the worst. Like we send a lot of stuff out to people. Okay. Uh, we're, we're to the point now where I think we're right around 8,000 to 9,000 packages out wow. of Tur- our shop. Yeah. Turbo kits? Um, like tur- no, no, not just turbo kits, but I'm saying like just pull- in general, pulleys, you know, okay. all our intakes, we build chiller kits, all this stuff. Um, yeah, I think we're in the right around the 85 to 9,000 range so a lot of this stuff goes to people that is like like i said before like a home mechanic you know or like they don't really know specifically how to work on their car or they think they know and then they hear advice from somebody else or whatever so we we get in these situations online where it'll turn into like a bash fest real quick you know and that's our biggest problem. Is, is it because of like improper install? It, it's a lot. A lot of times, improper install, like improper maintenance, like you know, especially with the TRX stuff. These guys take these things off road, like the engine bay is completely Covered hammered, in mud. mud, dirty. You know, and they're like, "Oh, we got everything's a, clogged up." Yeah, we got we have an issue with like a, a belt slipping. You know, like did you check? We and we got a whole questionnaire for these people. Like when they run into that, like a FAQ. Did you did you check? You know, the tensioners. Did you check the pulleys, and they're like, you know, they'll respond back in three minutes. Yeah, it's all good. It's your problem. You know what I mean? And it's like, no, it's not, because you couldn't have checked that stuff in three minutes. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's that's our biggest thing, is like online dealing with it. And w- same thing, we're not, you know, we're not Amazon. We're not like going to say, okay, here you go. No problem. Here's a refund. Keep your part. We don't care. Like we're a small business. You know? so, so how do you deal with these bad customers? We tell them how it is. That's it. That's it. It's, yeah. your, it's your fault. You no, know, it's not their fault. But what I'm getting at is like, we'll, we'll tell the customer how it is. And if it's a situation where we feel, or we've gone through all the measures, like they've sent the part in, we've examined it. Mm-hmm. We've sent them another one. You know, if we send them two parts, let's say, and they still have a problem, it's something else. It's just not, you know, at that point. But, um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're go, go through the measures, obviously, of, you know, getting the parts back to the customer and do what we should do, you know, nicely with everybody. But then from there, you know, if it's not what somebody wants to hear, people automatically assume what they don't want to hear with bad customer service. Of course. You know, and I feel like it's gotten more and more common recently. Um, yeah, we, you see it, I think, with the economy not doing as well. Um, you see, like, you know, obviously, like, a little bit more chargeback activity. And there's just way more scams, like, nowadays than there ever was. Yeah. People found more and more ways. I'm sure you guys see it as well. It's just, it's crazy. You know, we have like, we have software now that can detect if it's like, if it, if basically if somebody's buying something from a different IP address, it'll tell us automatically it's fraud. And at that point we're asking somebody, you know, the people for a driver's license to make sure it's them. And there's a lot lot of info, not nine times out of 10, we won't get anything back. And then at that point you'll see like a charge come back, come through and it's, they stole some little old lady's credit card buying turbo kit. You know, it's like, see it all the time. So luckily that stuff's there to try to protect the businesses. Um, but overall, that's our biggest thing is, you know, people online getting into these, you know, groups, a bash fest or whatever. And then luckily we have literally thousands of customers that go to bat for us because we do the right thing. So I was going to say, that's pretty cool how you, the proof is in the pudding, right? Yeah. So because you've set so many records, it's, it's kind of hard to bash you guys because of all the records that you, you do hold. And you have a clearly a long list of customers that you've done right to. Right. So these one-offs that try to go against you, it's kind of like, well, you're one versus how about the hundreds, if not thousands of right. happy customers? Yeah. And that's, like I said, that's, we see it all the time, you know, and it's, it's kind of tough to deal with it. Um, but at that point, you know, we do the right thing at the end of the day and we, that's all we can do. Yeah, you know, clearly, clearly you've happy. been taking care of your customers yep. at the rate you guys have been growing. Yeah, I mean, we've been growing year over year, over 100%, 200%. Wow. You know, so it's it's working well. We're definitely doing something right, and we're going to continue to do it the same way. So, 
do you ever see yourself stepping outside of you know Mopar SRT platform? Yes. What what is the future of Ripatunes? It's it's really hard to say. Um, I think we're going to do my Lambo um, and see how that goes. We have a couple parts in the works for that. Um, you know, that's another platform that's kind of like a niche market, and it's it's saturated too. Um, but same thing, there's not a lot in the, the Northeast that are very good. There's some, but they're not a lot. So I think we could get into that. Do you think you could innovate that market much? Because Repetune got to where it was because you're one of the first to do, you know, the Mopar SRT platforms. Yep. Because the, I guess, the Lamborghini market, there's already established, you know, businesses that are right. modifying and building kits. Yep. Is it worth it? Uh, I think it's it's worth it just for the sheer fact of customer base. You know, getting to that level, like where you're dealing with very high end customers, which I think we already do because a lot of the customers who have the, the vehicles that they're bringing to us also have something like that. So, and we've been asked many times, like, will you build a twin turbo kit for my R8? You know, will you do this and that? And, you know, we just flat out didn't have the time. But as this market changes that we're in now, because they've stopped making the vehicles, they're kind of phasing out. Yeah. yeah so it's going to be one of those things where we either go all in and say we're going to continue to push these vehicles to new limits, standalone ECUs, all that kind of stuff, or we go into something else where we think we can have an impact and, you know, put out some new cool parts that I know haven't been made and I have in my mind. So so I got two questions. Like, speaking on developing your own parts, did you ever think that when you first started you would actually, you know, be designing and developing, doing R&D on parts that you can mass produce? Um. I am going to say yes and no. So there was a lot of stuff that, like when working on the cars, you knew that could be done better. Right. But if I didn't have the connections that I ended up finding, it's funny how I found them. Like I had a, my machinist ended up being one of my really good friends now. Um, he bought my stock blower off my purple car and he was making parts for it. Like the you know, upgrade stuff for like the lid, pulleys, all that kind of stuff. And then we connected um, about a year later and uh, he started making all my parts. Obviously, these vehicles are, are they're going to stop making them. Yep. But also now, I, I feel like that market is still not dead, though. Remember how, like, back in the day, yeah. we're like, oh, let's wait for the, we're going to wait for this the, the Corvette. You know, once two models come out, the Corvette's going to be cheap, and I, right. and I can pick one up for cheap. Like, Trackhawk's been out for a couple of years now, over, what, like eight years? Right. The first Trackhawk's still still up there in price, so I feel yeah, like yeah, they came out in, in 2018. You know, they're going on oh, yeah, right around six years, I think. Six but, years, yeah, and like, but just in general, like I said, it's it's going to get tough, I think, because of the economy. I think just for the time being, because that too. the cars are still expensive. Yeah, you know, they're getting desirable because they're not making this power plant anymore. So the price is going up. The interest rates are terrible. Yep. So you're still going to have customers who buy them, and it's going to be. You know, depending on how people continue to modify them, if it's going to be a good market or not. I think right. the Hellcat stuff, I think it'll be around a long time. I, Where do you see the future of the pricing of these cars? Um, it's going to really depend on what the new Mopar platform comes out at. You know, if the car looks good and the V6 or the inline six, what it's going to be, is going to be, um, let's say, like on par with what the BMW stuff is, I think that'll be a great market to step into. And we've talked about it. Um, but I think if it's kind of a flop, then I think that people are going to continue to play with the Hellcat stuff. So, so we're kind of a waiting game right now. prices would go higher then. I think they're going to go higher if that car is no good. Yeah, until Dodge gets to their senses and <laughs> makes another... Hemi at that point because people, you know, they're gonna they're gonna try this stuff and if they get to the point where no one's buying the stuff, they're gonna have to make a change. I mean, yeah. so so if the next they're kind of going all in, you know, if their next stage is good, are you? Um, do you already have? Well, I guess that that's part of the business model, right? To yeah. step into that. Yeah, yeah, we have ideas. I've talked to a bunch of manufacturers and we have ideas. I mean, the the power plant's in stuff already. You know, you can get it in a grand wagon year. Um, so we already have looked into this, and it's feasible to do it as long as there's tuning available too. So that's always you know the big waiting game. And even with like the you know the Corvette was years 
Yeah. New Mustang think, you can't tune yet, but these guys are putting nitrous and prochargers on them. Yeah. You know, so. I think the Corvettes, like, it was pretty recent. They just started, yeah. like, unlocking but within, everything. Within, like, a month or two, they finally unlocked that computer yeah. to where you could actually do something with it. So everybody was using, like, standalone piggybacks and all that kind of stuff before. And a lot of people don't want to go that far. They just want to put a blower kit or turbos yeah. on, you know. So a lot of people are out there that will say, like, hey, I want to bring a customer's car in. I need it for two weeks. I want to build something new. Like, that's not me. I want to do it on mine, and then when it's right. That makes sense, though. So. Well, that was a blessing to the business. I mean, you were able to grow to the point to be able to invest into the cars to yep. do the R&D on, you know? Yep. I guess it would have been a whole lot different if you were to go back from scratch instead of the purple car. Like, all right, at the same time, I wanted to build the TRX kit. Like, man, we're just starting out. Yep. You go, you go buy yeah. one. <laughs> and we'll try building it off yeah, yours. I mean, like, we always just kept reinvesting back into yeah, the business. that's awesome. Just kept as much as we could, you know, and... And from there, it's definitely paid off. So, so we got the SRT Mopar platform. You're looking into maybe doing Lambos in the future. Yeah, like maybe just like not full time or anything like that. But we have some cool stuff that we'd like to do. Hey, um, you, you said the same thing with the with the SRT Mopar platform. You weren't doing it full time just for fun, yeah. and look what it turned into. Yeah, I, I, the same thing though. Like that car, they're not making them anymore. Same thing. Like yeah. So at some point, you're gonna it's you a know, limited market. Yeah. You know? And there's everybody thinks waiting for the next real hot thing but i mean e e even so I, I don't think i don't think you're ever going to run out of work either i mean no. you got to keep keep in mind half half the shops that you know we talk to they're all working on cars that they don't make anymore you know what yeah. i mean yeah and their client base is still getting bigger and bigger so as i think as time goes on again these are becoming more desirable the obviously the prices are coming down a little bit so the guy that couldn't afford a brand new one can right. now step into it and you know has enough saved up for maybe like your your basic kit and, and go from there you know um i always ask the one question too about the shop how long did it take for you to get your like your your dream team together like did you have to go through a lot of people or you kind of just started out good and you just been running with it i still have my day ones we haven't That's... hired anybody really like along the way the only person who has kind of i guess we could say hired along the way was actually a customer of mine tony ended up He's now my like general sales manager. Um, you might see him online, Tony D'Angelo. He's always commenting on people's posts. Yeah, it's like a lot of stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, along the way, like, you know, Joe, he's been with us. Mikey, day one, he was working in my garage with me, um, and we've never kind of gone outside. Like, you know, it, it's it's definitely like a trust thing. It's hard to find really good people. This these are. People's, you know, babies. These cars. Yeah. You know, so I think that's a, that's a that's a blessing for you because yeah, a lot of times shop owners have a hard time finding people. Yep. And you actually just have a team that you've been with you since day one. Yeah, and I I feel like we definitely have absolutely the best team out there. That's good. Like it's these guys are just dedicated to this. Like made definitely have made um, in their lives like big big changes to do this. Like they've left their jobs, you know. Big, and and for you paying jobs in, yeah and for you years, to be able like, to support that yep. obviously speaks on you know your business and how how successful it is yeah i definitely couldn't have done it without these guys absolutely so it sounds like your only uh employee issue would be your tuners but you finally yeah that's resolved got it and, down and to luckily a good one. like i said luckily since then like we know we've learned a lot about tuning you know like i can tune a car if i want to i choose not to the reason I choose not to is because I run a business. Like I can't be completely focused on doing that and doing all the stuff that goes on daily behind the scenes at a shop and be focused 100% on tuning a customer's car. I can drive it, log it perfect. I know exactly what I'm looking for. We're, you know, look at a log and say, hey, this exact timestamp, take a peek at this. You know, I drive it a certain way. All the customer's cars, like, you know, we know exactly what we're looking for, like problem areas potentially with throttle and whatever. But... For me to sit there and tune a car all day, it just doesn't make any business sense. I'd rather pay somebody who's a professional to sit there and do it, and that's what they focus on, and we have way better results. What's your day-to-day -day look like at the shop? Uh, I would say the day-to-day, -day, um, generally, you know, we're in there at like 8 o'clock. Um, I am bouncing back and forth between the shop, emails, remote tuning, um, and then generally like from, I would say, 3 o'clock on, we're packaging stuff. And then my wife runs the shipping. <laughs> she does that. Um, 
so we like I said, we basically keep everything in the family for the most part. So, so do you? There's that term work on work on the business or work in the business. Mm -hmm. How do you see yourself these days? Um, I would say it's a, a bit of both. Um, do you still have to get your hands dirty? Absolutely, I'm in the shop all the time. Yeah, yep. But I enjoy that though. It's a kind of like getaway from like doing the the emails and stuff like that. Because if you don't enjoy doing this stuff, like it's it's not the best business for anybody. You know, it's it's definitely like a grueling business. It's not easy. No, and like I said, to do things at the level we're doing them, everything you have to be super meticulous. Like there's, you can't leave any stone unturned. It's not going to happen. Yeah, there's no cutting, cutting corners. No. You so can't. are you still physically wrenching on cars yourself? Yeah. Yep, I will if I have to, you know. Um, at this point, we have two guys working on cars, Mike and Ant. We have Tony who does sales. I have another outside sales guy, Jeremy. He's another customer um, who turned into a really good friend and he sells for us. Uh, and then, like I said, Joe does our media. And... Uh, my wife does all the shipping and helping her later on in the day. Cause a lot of it's like heavy packaging and stuff. So do you have like um Repatoon dealers? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, all over the country. So, yeah. you, so you have a whole network. Oh yeah. That's awesome. We have about 40 different people who buy stuff from us weekly. Okay. So it's good to know. Yeah, it's cool. So a lot of the people buying your kits, um, what percentage would you say are giving their cars to you versus, you know, having other people install your kits? Uh, it depends on what it is. I would say it's like 50-50 on turbo kit stuff. And we prefer it that way because it's a little more intricate. Um, and then I would say it's probably like 80-20 on like a pulley package with remote tuning. Like 80% of people doing it on their own. Yeah, doing it on their own or doing it at a local shop or a shop buying it and, you know, installing it for a customer and us remote tuning it. So blowers versus turbo kits, you mentioned that in the past. Mm -hmm. I mean... Your, tw your twin turbo kit's clearly very popular. Yes. But also, you prefer to install them in-house. So, do you... How How is the market affected by that? Like, is, is... Is it harder to sell those kits, or...? No. So, we generally will charge, I would say, less than another person would to install that kit. Um, obviously, because we could do it quicker. Like, we know it in and out, but... The customer gets a better experience too if we're tuning it in person and if we're installing it because like i said you know turboing a car that was never turbo there's obviously stuff to look for um and we know exactly how the kit goes together you know that kind of stuff so the average person at home they might like run into like a couple hiccups doing something or whatever um but generally like i said it's all stuff that could be worked out like via email or over the phone or a tutorial um but a lot of people are not really like well-versed computer-wise for remote tuning. And that is our probably our hardest thing is to get someone to like, get like a good log on a car, or, like run the right channels list. Um, things like that are just, we really run into. It could be the hardest problem. So the mechanic stuff, like most people could figure out. But the tuning stuff, I think, is where people kind of get even a little bit like scared, like they're going to hurt something even though they're not. So, but um also, customers, like, they don't tend to listen. so They know it all. Well, not even just that. So, like, they'll be, like, anxious on the first time they drive their, you know, brand-new twin-turbo car. And, like, the instructions are, like, turn car on, let it idle for 10 minutes, it's literally cruise like it around town, let it idle for five minutes, send us a log back. And then we'll get a log, and it's, like, two wide-open throttle hits, like, 140 <laughs> miles an hour. You know what I mean? So so that's that's the kind of what we run into. But... But other than that, I mean, it's it's fun. So, so let's be, let's go back to the 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 one seventy that you got, the Demon one seventy. Yep. Let's speak on that because I don't think people know about it, but people kind of do when they first did that launch. Yep. Um. Obviously, you have one. Yeah. You plan on racing it. You plan on racing it this weekend. Yep. Awesome. So what what do you what's your expectations from it right now? So Dodge says it runs eight ninety one at one fifty one, I believe. Um, I would say that's probably a perfect all the stars aligned pass, but we're not going to know until we try. Uh, I will say the car is pretty light. We waited today. It's 4175. Like an older Demon's right around 4,300 pounds, so it's lighter. Um, are you going to change anything up from how it came from factory, or are you going to just kind of run so like it? Right now, I'm literally running a 
off the showroom floor. It's like a base, gas in baseline. It, 20 miles on it. Just make a pass. We're going to be the first people to make a pass other than Dodge, which is cool. Um, so we're going to do that. And then we're going to take it, put it on the dyno. And then we're just going to do a full calibration to it. So we'll do engine trans. Um, put our trans map in it. And it'll probably pick up. If all goes like we think after like looking at the file and stuff like that, I think we're probably going to pick up like five or six tenths between trans tuning and engine tuning with the car, not touching any parts, as long as the fuel system can hang on. And there's ways to kind of go about that. I mean, we could always put like a dual booster pump in it, like get more out of the fuel system. We do yeah. a, lot, a lot of those on the dual pump stuff, like on a Trackhawk or a TRX. Um, but if the fuel system hangs on, I think there's definitely, it's definitely a, a, a eight second car all day. Um, just with tuning is my guess. Because awesome. you used to be able to go like 9192 on ethanol in the older Demon, and that car makes considerably less power. Um, and it's heavier, and it doesn't have as good a suspension, and stuff like that. So it would be pretty cool to have a factory car with tuning run eights all the time. But um, So we're going to do that, and then we have some parts in mind. Not like major stuff really yet uh, for those. And then from there, we're going to make a couple small parts, make a couple more changes, put on the dyno, and then put twin turbos on immediately and go from there. So, Let's speak on the other cars that you have um, Dodge-wise. You also had another like Dodge race car. I have a drag pack, yep. Is that one, have you been messing with that one no. or kind of just letting that sit? I've never driven it. Okay. I bought it um, and I thought I was going to play with it and then I realized that I would say 48 out of the 50 of them that are out there are have been raced for two years, like professionally. Mm -hmm. There's like a whole drag pack program mm -hmm. that these guys run in. Um, so those cars are pretty hammered and that's part of the 50. So I've only made 50 of these cars. I figure, eh, hang on to it at this point. I haven't touched it in two years. I might as well just sit on it and see what happens. Maybe sell it in a few years. You know, if the market starts looking really bad on it, like no one's going to care about it, then I'll play with it. But right now that's like sitting on ice. Yeah. I'm just kind of, kind of chilling with that one. It might turn much. into like a real collector. That's, cool. yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, it's, it's a, basically a seven-second car from the factory. So the fastest one they ever made. It's color combo is the rarest, and I think it's the best looking. Um, and what color is it? It's called Hell Raisin. Okay. So it's like a deep, deep purple. It's all matte black graphics on it, uh, black weld wheels. So it looks looks really cool. So, yeah. A really cool car from the factory. I mean, it's like wheelie bars on it, solid yeah, yeah, rear. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's serious. So That's cool. Yeah, man. This, uh, so the car that you just picked up, by the end of the year, it's going to be twin turbo, or what do you think? Um, I would say that car is going to be twin turboed by January. Nice. Yeah, it'll it'll be. I, I don't know where we're going to race it. I have to take it down south somewhere. I was going to say, unfortunately, yeah, like we're kind of at the end of the year now. Off season for us. So it's going to depend on how crazy we get. Like if we're going to decide to build a kit for it then we might take more time to do some testing on it. Or if I'm just going to do a one-off for that car and just have it be the fastest one ever and just keep it that way, then we'll we'll build a one-off kit for it. But um, we'll see how it performs. I mean, the engine's really, apparently really beefed up. It's got like billet main caps and head studs and all sorts of stuff. So it's all the stuff you'd really do in the aftermarket. If the motor can hold a lot of power, it might be a good platform to pursue because people don't really have to do all that much besides build a trans and put a turbo kit on it you know fuel system so is that one of the power plants that dodge plans on selling yes as a crate motor yep so it's going to be that and then like, i think obviously the elephant is still one it's still a thing i don't know if you can still get the elephant um they're calling this one i think they're calling it, i think the c170 okay um supposed to be like 28 or 29 grand complete with the blower which is in the grand scheme of things for a thousand horsepower power not plant, bad. it's not bad yeah you can buy it without the blower for under 20 so it's still you're getting a long block right you know we have a customer who actually wants to buy that and put in his track hawk twin turbo it so mm. it'd be pretty cool but we'll see i mean like i said we're going to test it on mine and find the limits of it and go from there i mean my old demon we we're making right around 1200 wheel on the stock motor with the centrifugal blower Never had a problem with it. It's still a stock fuel system. So, do you plan to get into the internals on any of these builds? On which one? Like on the Demon? Or any of yours? Because you said. Oh, well, a lot of ours have like full motors in them. Like the, the fast track hawks are all built motor. Oh, they are? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I misunderstood that earlier. I thought you said they were all um, internals were in touch. No, no. Like uh, all the most of the TRX stuff, like okay. the compound boost stuff, all that stuff is untouched. Um, but 
when people want to go to the next level, you have to. Like the, the limit seems to be like twelve to thirteen hundred wheel on a Hellcat motor turbo. If you could keep it within that range and keep it fed with you know high octane fuel or that's where it's, that's or where it's happy like that, at. It'll stay there for a long time with good tuning. Um, if you lean it out one time, it's, it's at done. that level, it's done. Yeah. So. So I'm over here this whole night looking at your hat. Make Hellcats great again. Yeah. It's it's funny because uh, obviously friend of the room too, and you know friend of ours. Calvo has the Make Vipers Great Again hat. Yep. Like, and I know you have a Viper. Yep. Any chance of you going to have it getting that twin turbo? I'd love to. Yeah. But it's kind of on the back burner. Yeah. Like I said, it's, that's more of like a personal one. Like I, that car, I, I just, I like it the way it is. I would, I would definitely twin turbo it, but I think, I'd, like I said, I would do the Lambo first because I think the Lambo is probably a little bit better market for some of the stuff that we have in, in mind to sell. Yeah. Um, but as far as twin turboing, the, the Viper, definitely a dream. It just, you know, I don't know if it's really worth doing right now. So, well, we well we know a guy that does them. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Do you have a favorite racetrack in the U.S.? Um, the favorite place I've raced is probably MIR. That that track's fun. It's always fast. You know, and there's a lot of big events there. It's that's a lot of fun. I used to love English Town, but unfortunately, was, unfortunately thing it, of the past. Yep. But that was always. You know, you come around the wall, and it was just sick. Yeah. You know? Unfortunately. Yep. So um, I saw a post. Dan Ruse said there's no demon or Hellcat that could beat his GTR from a roll. Yep. Did he ever respond to you? Because I saw you put up a response video. Did, did anything? So he uh, never messaged me directly, but he did message my customer with the charger saying that we are going to The great charger it. in that video. We're going to lock it in. Get out of here. Yep. Yeah, we're going to do it. So soon, I got something for him. Yep. How soon? Whenever these two get together and figure it out, we're probably gonna head down south, Florida. I was or gonna something. say, isn't his his car's in Texas, no? Cali, Dan's in Cali. Oh, he's so we're 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 one hundred percent gonna lock that in for That'd sure. That'd be awesome. He's, I think he's I think pretty, he's pretty cocky about it. <laughs> um, uh, I you know. You think if it was up to you, would you do this at an event? Would you do it in Mexico? What do you no, thinking? no, it's got. I think it. I think it has to be on a track. Okay. It, just realistically, like for both of these cars, because um, th- you know. I mean, I think the battleground. I mean, you know, meet in the middle is going to be Texas 2K. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, I mean, that gives you I guys more that. than enough time. Yeah, and there's a prep. roll race event there. That's what I'm he, saying. He's talking about going from a roll. So. Yeah, so prep. Both cars have ample time to get prepped, and yep. you know, you guys could set that pot from now till what March. Yeah. I think event. that's reasonable. Yeah, that, I'm 100% that's, that's more than, that's more than reasonable. So, that's so. pretty cool. He he actually did respond. Yeah, he re- I have the he sent him like a video note. Nice. Really cool. yeah. Nah, Dan so. is a good guy, man. Yep. Gonna that's say, gonna be so a good one. Like Dan's car was built by a friend of our of the brand. You know, yeah. so that'll be a very interesting race. It'll be cool. I think a lot of people they underestimate what these Hellcats can do because I see like you know they call it a boat this and that. Well, that's because that's because of the slideshows too. Come on, yeah, man. Like, I mean, but they they don't realize that. You know, Edward's car is 3,500 pounds and makes about 1,850 wheel. You know, so if this thing hooks, we're gonna have a race. Yeah, so I think I think that'll be that'll be a good race. Yep. So, in your history of Repetune, what was your most memorable race? Because uh, there's a lot of shit talkers that you've had to deal with. So, is your most memorable race against somebody who you know, I guess a competitor, opponent, enemy? Um. Not really. I mean, most memorable is probably taking the blower-only record back at ATCO. Um, that was pretty fun. There was, like, a news crew there, like, during an event. We were on the news. That was kind of cool. Um, was that random? Yeah, it was, like, random. They were, okay. like, covering. They, it was, like, a like a local Philadelphia channel or whatever. They were right. covering some stuff going on at ATCO, the event, and then everybody was, like, raving about what I did, and then they came over and interviewed me. It was pretty cool. And then from there, I would say... Uh, Adam taking the track hawk record because there was just so much shit talking with that beforehand, like that we would never have a fast track hawk, and then we come out of nowhere and just smoke everybody. So that was cool, being able to do that and then backing it up with multiple passes and going faster. So that that was definitely those two were big. And that was sure. recent. That right? was this year, yeah, yeah. So we asked earlier track hawk or Hellcat, but we didn't bring the TRX into you know the conversation. Mm-hmm. If you were to rank, you know, 
in your opinion, what are the best cars to work on, I guess, top five? Top five? Trackhawk? Number one. I think so. Yeah. Because there's like a, like a lot of rivalry with it. So it's kind of cool to be able. There's a lot of people gunning for that record. It's the most competitive one. So I like that one. Um, the Durango, because it shouldn't be that fast, I think it's number two. And then from there, I would say, um, even with the TRXs, I mean, these things are like 6,000 pounds and running. We have them running 9-2 in the quarter. Number three TRX? Um, I would say like three or four, maybe like that and a Demon. Those two are kind of cool, you know. So Who falls last? Five. Um, who falls last? I would say probably just a standard Hellcat, like Challenger. Just kind of boring <laughs> at this point. It's like uh, it's like the the. And I, you know, I have one. It's the same thing. It's just like at this point, it's like the oldest one. I don't know. It's just yeah, yeah it's not the same. Maybe that's why your hat says because Hellcats are number five in your list. Make yep. Hellcats great again. Yep. <laughs> So, so you're, you should have another hat that says, uh, I guess, well, Trackhawks are the greatest. Yeah, or, or we, I mean, all of them need a great again because they're not making any of them anymore. So, I think the Hellcat is more famous, just more the motor, like, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, exactly. At, at the end of the day now. Yeah, I mean. That's, what, that's what put it on a map. Exactly, yeah. It's a shame that, you know, they're not making them anymore because I think it's Dodge is obviously the highest selling vehicle. It gets the most hype. I think they're going to have a hard time keeping the customer base unless they've pull off the impossible, make something that's completely yeah, sick. I, I so. think they did a really good marketing job with the whole Hellcat thing. Always. Because, like, always like, the best commercial. That was, yeah, yeah. Like, they knocked it out the park with yeah. that. And I don't know if they can top it with some of these other stuff coming yeah. out. Yeah, that whole modern American muscle movement, bringing the pride back to American cars, that's, yep. that was pretty sick. Yeah. That so, was fun. With the move of the industry towards the EV platforms, what's your opinion? I think it's going to fail miserably, personally. Um, if it hasn't caught on already the way that they, you know they think they would have, I think they're going to have a hard time. I mean, there's people that like just they got a Tesla Plaid. It was cool for two days, and it's, they're selling it. Like it's just not. There's not. It's not the same. You know, you, there's no like soul to the car, in my opinion. You don't. You, yeah, it goes fast, but whatever. Like it, that's that's it not the, the whole same. thing. It ain't the same. Like it's you know you're not. There's no kind of like you don't turn the car on, you don't hear it, you don't smell it, you don't like feel the car, like just just nothing to it. That was crazy. A couple viral TikToks, a couple of people actually shared them with me. Were I think there were, there were two very viral ones of companies at SEMA. <laughs> the modification was oh, yeah, installing yeah. speakers yeah. under yeah, the like cars. exhaust speakers, and you can modify it to match whatever you could gas change. You can change the sound. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fucked up. It's oh man, it doesn't make any sense. And it was the you worst got your part like Hyundai. Was, you got your Hyundai EV sounding like a Cummins. <laughs> that, that was the funny <laughs> like, you part. You know what I'm saying? Where where they say like. Uh, you could get your Tesla. You could make it sound like any car that you want. You could have it sound like a Mopar. You could have like, like you're not bringing in any car people with this stuff. <laughs> That's like, crazy. So Nobody cares. Yeah. Like, just what are you doing? But these were reputable companies that had these cars in their booths. Like, oh man, this it's, is a teeth yeah, clencher. Like, <laughs> I think the companies who don't push 100 percent with that are going to be the ones that win, because these everybody's like trying to jump on this bandwagon because I think they have to. But I, I personally, I don't think it's going to. It's not gonna work. I don't yeah. know. I mean, you already you're already starting to see like, you know, beginning maybe like two years ago, everyone, you know, set out their goals, right? Like we're gonna do it. And yeah. you know, just this last two, three months alone, you've already have several manufacturers that already said like these goals yeah, aren't well, these goals aren't feasible. No, we as a country do not have an infrastructure to handle this. It's not even that yeah, just not, in general, the whole, the whole world. No. Yeah, yeah it's, internationally it's, it's not it's not gonna happen. No. And, and then anybody just, who is like an enthusiast at all, like there's nothing intriguing about any of them. Like nobody makes anything that's even like worthwhile to look at. In my opinion, I mean, I, I've never been really intrigued by any of them. You, you know, know what? What did catch my eye? I didn't go to SEMA, so everything I'm saying was uh, based off what I saw on social media. Mm -hmm. Garage Monkey had that uh, Tesla converted Ferrari, Testarossa. That thing looked pretty nuts. Then there was a. Um, it's funny because anything cool that I'm bringing up yeah. is a classic platform converted to yeah. to EV. Yeah, but like, still, but it's like not think the same. about it like, what is cool about a Testarossa besides how it sounds? 
You know they don't even mean? sound nothing. Huh? Yeah, right. <laughs> you're gonna have to put them speakers on. That's what I'm saying. So like doing I wonder that if that's is what like they call it. Te- Tesla Rosa. That's a, that'd be a cool name if they don't name it that already. <laughs> that thing did look pretty trippy though. Yeah. Oh, there was another. Uh, I think it was the, uh, the car from Back to the Future. DeLorean. The DeLorean that they did EV with yeah. a crazy body kit. So I do think um, you know, for the industry, for the EV platforms, I definitely think on the styling side of it. The, that's why uh, they're trying to do it because they're trying to. Get into like something that actually looks cool. There's nothing out there. Yeah, that's really intriguing at all. You know, so that's that's just my opinion. I mean, everybody's got their own thing. So, another friend of the brand, uh, Rywire, he's he's got a couple cars that he's converted to EV. The S2000, he did an EV kit. He's got an EK doing an EV kit. So you know, it's I'm a gas guy. Yeah, but I'm I'm, eyes are open. There's some there's some cool builds going on out there. So. I don't, I, I don't know. Hundred, I'm still uh, my personal opinion on the future of EV. You know, I, I do. I'm no, I'm, I don't know much about the science of it. I hear a lot about our infrastructure not being able to support it. So for me, it's like that doesn't make much sense. Why are they pushing this so much? Why are they giving so many incentives to buy these vehicles if the right. infrastructure can't support it? So scratch my head on that. But that's well, they're they're giving incentives because no one's buying them. Right. You know what I mean? It's so, like, like what uh, are you going to do with these yeah. things? So, I don't know. I think this all comes back to the administration thing, too, in, yeah. in this country. So, we'll see what happens. I was going to say, that goes to a whole different, no different conversation yep. about, uh, you know, the administration behind this. Yep. So, man, eight, 2018, 19, 20, five years. Yeah. Five years, man. Congratulations you, to man. you on the success of the business. Appreciate it. Any Anything else? Touch points that uh we didn't we didn't bring up. Anything you want you want to talk about while we're while we're here? No, I mean, whatever you guys have, man. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I mean, so Repetuned started off primarily focused on the Mopar SRT platform, has plans to grow into different platforms. Sounds like the first will be Lamborghini. Yeah, we'll see. Lambo R eight stuff. Just like we have some parts and we'll see where it goes from there. But I'm very curious to see and looking forward to see the type of innovation. I definitely Want to give you uh, give you your roses on this, your kudos. Thanks, man. Because anyone who innovates deserves the success that you have, right? I brought it up before, like in the Honda Acura platforms, you know, very mature platforms, but people are still innovating. But the what I've seen in the past with other, you know, um, engineers and people who have developed parts, and you know, it sucks. If other people knock them off before they see the success that you had, right? And it's like, man, you you, yeah, didn't, you didn't do like, that, you know. Instead of trying to take someone else's success, just make your own. Just be like, you know, have a an imagination. Go out there and do it. See, it's, it's easy for you to say because you are the imagineer. You are yeah, the you're it, the engineer. Yeah, <laughs> I, I understand, but like I said, it's doing that kind of stuff to me is is the lowest of the low. I, it's just, it, and it takes away from a lot of the willingness for other people to have an imagination. Because if you're going to do that, you're going to get to the point where you have that fear. Well, yeah, like uh, you know, we we do this stuff a lot. Like we'll do a group buy, and we're not going to release something unless we sell 50 of them or 25 of them or whatever. Because we know, like, is it even worth it if we can't sell this initial batch and we're going to put this out? Like, is it even worth it? Because we know it's going to get knocked off. We mm-hmm. do the same thing with like a TRX drive shaft. And someone else was making a TRX drive shaft like two weeks after we put it out, you know, and I think it's probably someone we sent one to. Right. So it's just one of those things where, and there's a lot of people out there doing it, you know, to me, that's like the lowest of the low. We don't do anything like that. So. Well, that's why I say I'm looking forward to seeing the innovation that you bring to these new platforms that you work on, because clearly you are a inventor. Yeah. Thanks, man. I want to say the engineer, forward thinker, imagineer, you know, innovator more more so than anything so very cool very look um looking forward to seeing what new things you bring to those new markets and with that we could wrap it up yeah cool man i appreciate, appreciate you having me on man this is this is awesome and anybody following where could they follow you follow us on facebook uh ripatuned instagram ripatuned um we have a website www.ripatuned.com you could send me a personal message i always respond um anything you guys need hellcat related trx track hawk we're here for you so 
What what platform do you prefer? Facebook, Instagram, TikTok? What's your thing? Um, I like Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, we don't really have a big TikTok going. Joe has one going. We're going to start a YouTube. Um, we have, like, just random videos. You know, like, we just never really had time for it. But now that Joe's handling the media side, we're going to start getting some stuff going. We're probably going to use the uh, the Demon 170 as a catalyst. Nice. Uh, I think it's probably the, the best car to do it with because it's the new hot thing. Oh, oh, I didn't ask. What color is that? Sublime Green. All right, nice. Yeah, Sublime Green. I bought it as base as you can get it. Okay. So, cloth seat. One seat, no carpeting in the trunk, nothing. Well, all that's coming out anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so why pay for it? Yep. Why why pay why pay for all the premiums if you're ripping them out and it could possibly delay the process of you getting yep. it any sooner than exactly. you got yeah, it? Yeah, that was the big thing. You know, we were worried about getting it with the carbon wheels, like I said. And did it did it, it come with the does that one come with like that toolbox like the, the other no, demon used to? They don't to? do the crate anymore. They no. don't do that? No, that was pretty cool though. On my other demon, I had that. And it's, I was gonna say, do you have that? Uh, not with this car, no. No, with, I, I sold the other car. Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah, I sold the other one. Yep. So you did have a demon that came with that box, that yeah, that crate box. Came with a crate box. It's the cool, the but jack. It, it's cool, but a you don't want to touch any of this stuff because you don't want to screw <laughs> yeah. it up, right? And then b it's like the thing weighs like four hundred pounds. So Didn't that? Yeah, because that thing it's was huge. like it's it, huge. It came on like on a pallet and everything. Yep. So unless you got space for it, it almost becomes an annoyance, but. Other than that, it's it's cool. When you sold it, you should have been like, you could take the car, but I'm keeping this box. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, the, the thing people is probably like, wanted no, it for the box. Yeah, no one wanted the car without the box. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah, you had to come with it. So, the, it, so. It, it was, yeah. The person who bought it was like, I'm not buying it unless you give me the box. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I had like an extra set of tires, but they're like, I'm taking everything. I'm not taking the car. I'm like, are you paying right. for it? But it's fine. That's it. <laughs> so as long as you're paying the price tag. Yep. And I guess my last question one. Being involved in like obviously the Mopar Dodge community, have you ever gotten any like special invites or anything to directly from manufacturer? Nothing yet, not okay. specifically. But I have a few people who work at the plant. Like they were able to get me pictures of the car going down the oh, plant, that's cool. like that's stuff cool. like that. Yeah. Um, well connected with like all of the aftermarket stuff though. That's cool. So we get stuff first. Like we just did testing on some in injectors for FIC. Okay. Um, doing data for those. We're doing. Uh, we do like all the boost to pump testing for JMS. So like before anybody gets it, we're doing all the testing on it. So that kind of stuff's cool, you know, and then it just, it gives you a good feeling that these big companies trust you to do it. Yeah. So. Awesome. Right, rightfully so. <laughs> that Thank, wraps you it up. Thank you guys for watching. You, if you like this episode, make sure you like, comment, subscribe. You can follow us on our social media on Instagram. I'm at Brian ESR, Hugo ESR. At Hugo ESL. At Hugo ESL. <laughs> yep. I appreciate you guys. Stay tuned for the next episode. Steve, thanks for coming on. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.